Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. This is Race Control with Greg Murphy and Stephen McIver. Into Murray's corner now for the final time. Second gear lines it up. The 2021 Repco Bathurst well 1000 winner is Chaz Moster. Yeah, well Chaz Moster, Lee Holdsworth, his first ever victory at Mount Panorama. How good the great race, the Repco Bathurst 1000. Lee Holdsworth gets his first ever, first ever. Bathurst when Chaz Mosser gets a second and race control's not mucking around because live on the line with McIver and Murph is Lee Holdsworth. G'day, Lee. G'day, guys. How are we? Mate, we're good, but how, how are you and how's the head? <laughs> I think I'm sober now. It's taken a bit, but, um, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty exhausted. It's been a big week. Uh, I haven't really had time to just kick back and, and sort of uh, reflect on what we just achieved, but... Uh, man, it's uh, it, it's just an awesome feeling. Awesome feeling, mate. Um, it was mega watching you do your job and and uh, just look so smooth, so in tune and confident driving the twenty five. I'm sure it probably didn't feel like that all the time, but but how amazing to to be driving a car and be with a guy and a team that um, gave you you know, gave you the tool to be in control with. I mean, just phenomenal. Yeah, thanks, Murph. You know what it's like when you rock up there and your car's on song. You know, I've had it only a few times before, but nothing quite as good as what I had on, on the weekend. Um, you sort of get in the zone pretty quickly and and everything seems a lot easier than normal. Um, so, you know, from the time we rolled out on Thursday, our car was in a really good window and... The balance was strong. We had a couple of things to really tune up, but whilst everyone else was searching for big gains in balance, um, we were just chipping away at it. And we sort of were very quietly confident from the start of the week that, man, we were in a good place to, um, you know, to to give this a red-hot crack. And then every session, you know, Chaz would want a little tune-up with a certain balance in the car, and and that's exactly what I wanted, and... So every time I jumped in the car, it was a bit better. And then every time Chaz jumped in the car, it was a bit better. So we were we were just in such a great spot. But, you know, there was one point of the weekend where we thought, hey, I think we're probably, we're actually a session ahead of where we want to be here. So let's just cool it right off. And and you know yourself, Murph, it's hard to, hard to not uh, keep changing the car. It's hard to just go, righto, we're in a good place here. Let's just do some laps. Let's start concentrating on a on a race balance, start seeing what the uh, the change in roll bars does to the balance. And, um, yeah, pretty pretty crazy. And, and then to roll into the race and um, even Sunday morning in warm-up, we were like, man, spot on. Like, do not do a thing to the car. Let's roll into this race and give it a 
give it a good go. Lee, Lee, how hard was it to contain that excitement and and near? It almost felt like an omen that it was all going to work out right, knowing how how brutal Bathurst, Bathurst can be if you make one little mistake. Yeah, I know. Well, it's it's funny because as a, you think, like I'm thinking coming into this year as a coach, I'm thinking, you know, the pressure's off. I can just roll into the weekend, do my job, jump out, and leave the rest to Chaz. But, um, you know, in some ways, as a co-driver, it's probably nerve more nerve-wracking and more pressure on you to um, to do your job and not make any mistakes because you're not, you know, you're required to be fast, but you are certainly, you know, the last thing you are uh, that, that they want you to do is make a mistake. Um, so, you know, they sort of want everything from you, but um, without any mistakes. And um, but as a main driver, you know, you, you you're you're required to push as hard as you can. And if you make a mistake, okay, it's accepted. You were just having a go. Um, but it's a different view if it's a co-driver. So. Um, although I was comfortable in the car, there came a point where I'm like, you know, I was Gak and Garth, um, we were doing good lap times, and and I could have I could have pushed a bit harder um, and and got a bit more out of it, but I thought I just thought in my head, you're going to look like a complete dickhead if if you end up putting it in the wall here um, whilst whilst we've got this big gap. So um, at that point, I thought, right, just have a breather. Just keep going about it the same way, and um, you know there were even times when uh, when Adam said, "Mate, just you know keep that pace or, or drop half a second off because um, we're actually still gapping the field doing that pace." And um, uh, in a way, I didn't want to get out of that. That um, it was like a uh, it was almost became robotic. All the um, inputs into the car, and you don't want to change that. Um, because that's when you sort of lose focus if you change anything up. So I just got into that rhythm, stayed in the rhythm, and, um, yeah, fortunately, you know, no mistakes on my behalf and um, able to hand the car over to Chaz in a in a fairly comfortable position, and um, and he was able to do his job at the end. So just just an amazing day. You know, we had one mishap with the tyre failure. Um, God, yes. But we didn't panic. Yeah, and we're... I knew straight away that he was that he had a, a failure with the tyre, and um, my biggest worry was that was going to come back to haunt us later on with another set. Um, and and really, you don't know what caused it, and that's the biggest concern. Like, we're, is it that we're driving too hard? Is it that we've got too much camber? Is it that we're using too much kerb? You know, there's just so many questions that surround that. And um, so we had to be a bit more conservative from that point on. Um, we raised the rear pressures of the tyres to, uh, mm. you know, to make sure that we put us in a safer zone in that way. Um, but uh, yeah, that was the most nerve-wracking thing because we knew we had the pace to bounce back from that. Yeah, I mean, you had the pace to bounce back. I mean, the the speed that you have and the way that you were coming back at the field was phenomenal. But you know, catching everybody, even with that speed advantage, was going to be one thing. But passing would always be another. But that uh, that little um, creature, what the hell was it called? An echidna. <laughs> echidna. 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 He did. He did turn up at a pretty good time, didn't he? It wasn't a bad time. Yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't mind that little guy. Um, <laughs> we thought at one time. We thought when we when we saw him, we thought, ah, oh, 
maybe one of his spikes fell out and got into our tyre. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah it, it went, when we pitted, it, it obviously put us out of phase when we had the tyre yeah. failure. Um, but it didn't hurt us that much because we had a 14-second lead at that point. It, it, it blew that lead away to nothing, and I think we actually ended up being um, uh, probably in second position by the time we got into the pits. But then it actually put us a pit stop up on everyone else. And so the next pit stop, um, we had fuel in hand, and that's when we jumped straight yeah. back up. But that's we also, it. like you said, had to pass a whole heap of people as well. So, um, mm. But, yeah, the echidna, it probably didn't come at a bad time. Um, we uh, we got one of but the guys Bathurst. in the team to... That's Bathurst, yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know. You, even with five laps to go, I thought, we haven't won this. With two laps to go, I thought, yeah, do I get excited yet? No, nah, no, nah, I'm containing it. I'm going to hold back because you know it can happen. It's just, you know, you can have another tyre failure at that point. You could, I don't know, you could have a bloody kangaroo jump out in, the, in front of the car and take it out. Um, it's just too many variables to, to get excited about uh, the win until it actually happens. I think it was... Once I saw Chaz come out of um, out of Forest Elbow and head down Conrad's track for the very last time, I thought, I think we've done it. <laughs> and uh, that's when I put my race suit on and or zipped it up and, and thought I'd better run over to the pit wall and start celebrating. So when, pretty cool moment. When when does it when does it actually sink in? Uh, when because everything probably feels quite surreal when you've done it and you've both worked super hard to win the great race. But when does it actually sink in? Is it when you're half blind drunk and you're sitting on your motel bed and you go, uh, <laughs> hang on a minute, I just won the greatest race in Australia. I still don't think it's no, sinking no. at that point. It, 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 it certainly didn't. I was actually going to ask Murph if he, if he could tell me when it sinks in. It hasn't, hasn't sunk in yet. No, um, it won't. Uh, and and it, it'll, it'll be a little while yet. Bro. Yeah, it'll be a little yeah. while. It, it just it, Because, I mean, you've been trying now. Was that 17? Is that 17 goes? I think it was number 18, actually. It was number 18. So, yeah. you know, it, you get to a point, 18. too, where you've got a we you know you you just go is this ever going to happen for me is it ever going to happen so when it does it, it is hard to fathom I mean when you when you sat on the grid there at the start of that race mate I mean did you did you honestly believe that in, in six and a half hours or seven hours and a thousand k's did you did you think oh we're going to win this we can win this I mean it's just too hard to think that that's I, possible right you know it, this may sound arrogant or whatever but. I've never had this feeling before where I thought that, you know, nothing but a win was going to be good enough on that day. And mm. um, I, I genuinely thought that throughout the whole week. It was just, you know, a second was never going to be good enough. I was going to go home disappointed. Um, because, you know, when you've got the car, um, you know that everyone, if everyone does their job, including yourself... Uh, you're going to walk away with that that big trophy, and um, yeah, it's it's just nuts. But I just don't know why. It's so it's still very hard to believe, though, because I mm. I just could, you know, that was that's been a dream of mine since um, since I first started watching motor racing, let alone driving in, a, in the sport, um, yep. to actually you know win the Peter Brock Trophy, and um, yeah, pretty damn special to be up there with the. The legends of sport. Um, I think I was the 
only the 62nd driver uh, ever to win that race. So, you know, although mm. it's been running for so long and there's, you know, 50, uh, whatever there is, 50-something drivers every year trying to win that race and to only have 62 winners so far over so many years um, is, is hard to fathom, I guess. Um, and, yeah, yeah it's going to take a long time to sink <laughs> in. Um yeah, don't know whether it ever will. But I haven't even watched the race yet. So I reckon maybe when once you... I watch the race back and actually see that it happened yeah. again. Um, maybe, You'll definitely maybe watch that. the race. You'll watch yeah, it. And, yeah, and then when you, when, you sick, when, you, when you second one, Lethal, when you win your second one, it'll, it'll yeah, sink in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love how you say when I do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, um, let's just quickly uh, just talk Chaz a little bit um, and specifically that shootout. Um, oh and not just his, but, I mean, the shootout as a whole. I mean, what a, you know, hour or whatever it was of time. I mean, can you recall a shootout that was that intense with such speed and such commitment from race car drivers? No. I mean, did you – I mean, no. what did Chaz think was possible? I mean, who – I mean, really, it was just phenomenal. I don't know. I, I just remember sitting in the truck with Chaz, listening to some Kevin Bloody Wilson – before the um, before the shootout, and and we we said to each other, hey, whatever happens in this shootout, I said to Chaz, mate, just like just enjoy it because, um, you know, I yeah, we both agreed that we had a car to win the race, and it didn't matter whether we finished uh, whether we started tenth or we finished or we started on pole, um, we were we were in for a shot of winning the race no matter what. So it was a matter of. Uh, you know, just um, just enjoying that lap, and but I can tell you, when I saw a, the first two o three get set, um, I, I forget who. Oh, it was uh, Brody Kostecki. I thought, yeah, Brody, oh, yeah. that's a good time, good time to lay down at that point of the shootout. Um, and I thought it actually puts a hell of a lot of pressure on everyone after him to um, to step it up, and you know, you know, potentially makes people overdrive and. Uh, and then, you know, the times kept coming down and I thought, oh man, this is going to be hard to top. Um, I think the, uh, the time that Chaz had to beat was a 2035 or something like that. And he's come out mm. and, uh, what was it, 2036, something like that. And, and Chaz's, uh, first sector, he was up and I thought, wow, like he, if he's on in the first sector, there's great potential for him to, uh, finish this off and it just got better and better. Um, so I thought that was one of the best points of the weekend for us. Um, yeah, pretty bloody good lap. It's like <laughs> it, it was just absolutely um, faultless. I think he, he just touched the the exit wall out of Forest Elbow. Um, yeah, oh, crazy. So I don't think it cost him anything, but it was um, he, he obviously was pushing and using everything he had. Hey, uh, Lee, just quickly, Ryan Walkinshaw, I've never seen a team owner so happy and just so crazy with everything that went on, doing the shoey the whole nine yards. How do you think this win affects the team going forward? Uh, yeah, Ryan lapped it up, and I was really, I was so happy that, like, uh, we had a, a little bit of a spot next to us in between Chaz and I for the driver's parade, and I... I patted the seat beside beside myself and I said, "Oh, Ryan, jump up!" And he he actually jumped up and um, really enjoyed the driver's parade. I think everyone in the team just felt that we were in we were in a great zone and um, and everyone just enjoyed the week. But I can tell you that 
this does huge a huge amount for that team. They've been working at something for a, a long time now, especially since um, since Zach Brown and uh, Michael Andretti have joined the team, along with Ryan. Um, they've been they're, they're wanting to win a championship. They wanted to win Bathurst. They can tick the Bathurst off the list now, um, and I don't think it's far away from them challenging for a. A championship, you know. Chaz finished third this year. I think there's a bit of a shake-up going on at Triple Eight, and I think it's um, it's probably time for them to pounce. To be honest, um, I reckon that in the next few years they'll they'll win one. So um, yeah, I think they'll ride the ride the wave. Um, I think next year I reckon they'll start with a hell of a lot of momentum, and um, you know, Chaz, you'll have heaps of confidence. The team will have confidence. So. Uh, I think having that monkey off their back with the with the win over the weekend, I think that'll do wonders for them. Yeah, no, I think it, I think you're right. I think the timing's perfect. I think the changes at Triple Eight and people moving and all that kind of yeah. stuff uh, leaves the door wide open. Hey, just just quickly, and I know you got to go. So finally. Um, you know, this uh, little article came out. Uh, I think it was uh, the other day about um, you know you going full-time and, and what you would uh, do to do that and you'd give up, you know, this position as a co-driver in this team if you could get a proper good full-time gig again. And I've, you know, I think we've spoken before that, you know, it's, uh, it hasn't worked out the way it should in respect of you not being there still full-time because you proved on the weekend that you should be. Um, how, how hard is that at the moment, though, too? Just to, You've just won Bathurst and we know you should be full-time because you've got the goods to do it. How hard is it sort of not having that opportunity in the right place to, to go and show your wares at the moment? Uh, I think that this year I've, I've um, I nearly even put motor racing to bed. You know, it was, it's been a really difficult oh, wow. year, the way it all finished up. Um, I was not not ready to give up, you know, the, the, the Bathurst race. Um but I was, it, it burnt me a lot and I just thought, you know what, I'm, I've got to move on with life and really I was kicking myself that I didn't have something in the background brewing with, uh, you know, uh, a career outside of motorsport. So, um, yeah, I spent the whole year looking for opportunities and they just weren't coming, <laughs> coming by very often. Uh, and then I got a great opportunity with um, CBRE Real Estate uh, believe it or not. So um, next year I'll be starting a job in industrial real estate uh, in the automotive sector. And um, and I thought, wow, you know, that's I've worked pretty hard to get that and I don't want to throw that away. Um, but also, you know, the, the after what just happened on the weekend and being in a great car and able to show my skill as well and what I've still got to offer, it sort of makes me got the fire burning again. And... Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess so if something pops up, um, I really have to weigh it up whether I want to go back mm. and have a crack at winning the race um, because I know that heading back there with Walkinshaws or WAU next year, we would come in as red-hot favourites. And, um, uh, you know, whether I'm willing to give that up and, and jump into a car, um, another car in the field, and um, I'm just not sure at the moment. So... Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll just wait and see. Um, it's all about weighing things up and seeing whether the opportunity comes around in the first place. But um, 
it could be worse situations to be in than, than having too much to choose from. <laughs> you know what, Lee, the best, the best thing about going to real estate after having one Bathurst, put on your card. You know, CBR Industrial yeah. Real Estate, yeah. uh, Bathurst <laughs> Champion 2021. Uh, you watch those sales go through uh, the roof. Mate, thanks uh, so yeah, much. It's got a great ring to it. Congrats, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's, congrats. Uh, Massive be- congrats. Best, best uh, time ever. But to hear the, the genuine appreciation from you of winning your first Bathurst, mate, we've, we're just uh, really glad that you could spend some time with us. So go and enjoy. And just remember, no, no you worries. did win Bathurst, buddy. You won it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, every time someone tells me, it, it just sinks in a little... A little more, so um, thank you. Thank you. No, you <laughs> Great won't. to chat to you guys. Yeah, happy Christmas, mate. Cheers, pal. Cheers, you too. You too, guys. Bye. There you go. Lee Holdsworth live. Bathurst champion with Chaz Mostert here on Race Control. 7.19. We'll break that down in just a moment here on Race Control with Repco. Dance in my pants and I need to dance. <laughs> yeah. Dance in my pants and I need to dance. It's 7.24. This is Race Control with Repco, McIver and Murph around New Zealand on SENZ. If you're listening on the SEN app, uh, hey, welcome on in. We've just been talking to Lee Holdsworth, Bathurst chain with Chaz Mossett. We had a call from Jim saying what's happened to the car. Well, the car's actually going to run next year. It's the last of the Gen 2 chassis, but it's actually been sold. It was put up for auction uh, and it was sold for around, they say, $610,000. And after the, that season, it's uh, the Dunlop Super 2 Series driver Zane Morse's dad and team sponsor Mark Sitakusa from Bremer Group Racing are basically going to run in the 2023 Super 2 Championship. So, yeah, nothing is wasted, Murph. Nothing is wasted. What a car to have, though. I mean, I wouldn't even race it because it's a Bathurst winner. Well, I think that I think that might be the case. That might happen, mightn't it? I mean, um, it's now one, and if they're going to run it next year, who knows what kind of success it could have next year. So, therefore, you'd go, oh, maybe I might sell it for a bit of a profit. Or maybe even, <laughs> maybe Ryan Walkinshaw or Zach, maybe Zach Brown will just go, hey, thanks for buying that car, but, but. Uh, how about we just give you a little little extra cash and you walk away and we, uh, we that, own it. Who knows? That's a really good point. And, you know, when, when you look at the the resale value of cars at the moment, you know, old Commodores and things like that going on at the run at the moment. Why wouldn't you? Because that's got pedigree that. And, and Zach Brown loves collecting cars like that, doesn't he? He's a he's a real collector of and And to win Bathurst, because that's what I I still struggle to understand, Murph, and, and so I struggle in the right way in the sense that, you know, Europeans and races of note do rate Bathurst right up at the top of the tree. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, it, it still is and seen and watched. I mean, I think it's become even more so uh, just with maybe the Bathurst 12 hour and, and the likes, you know, with GT drivers turning up and seeing this racetrack and, um, you know, what it what it offers and then what supercars does there and what, you know, the supercars championship has built um, around this. And, you know, you and I actually spoke in the week on, on um, speed, uh, Sky Speed, just how... You know, there was a big comparisons all week with supercars around the mountain, wasn't yeah. there, with other categories and particularly with TCR. And supercars are just just made for that racetrack. They, nothing looks as good as what no. they do. They just look amazing. They they really just fit it. And they, you can see the speed. You know they're fast. And other other categories just don't work there. They just, just well, don't look I, right. I think what well, – you look, there's one overriding factor for me that makes the difference. 
It's the sound of those big V8s and the camera angles. when they You know they got that camera angle just before they hit the chase and you see, you get the feel yeah. of the speed and the, the sense of it. You go, why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, Formula uh, the hybrids, bleh. You know, there is nothing like it. Long may it last is all I can say. Long may yeah. it last. Yeah. Because the new... And it will, but yeah. That's right. Gen 3, we'd have big donkey V8s. I love it. We're going to take a wee break because we're going to go and talk to MIQ. Well, actually, we talked to Greg Rust at MIQ. He was at Bathurst all week. Got very busy, even went in the uh, mascot race. Got to talk to him about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So stick around here on Race Control with Repco. If you've got some thoughts about Bathurst and what you like or what you didn't like, give us a call. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. on race control with Repco and a bit of Aussie because I know we had to play that again because Murph's head started going oh, oh yeah I like this I like this I saw the little head going yeah 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 you know one of the best features of uh, Bathurst 2021 was seeing our good mate Greg Rust back in pit lane uh, Rusty I know you're in day one of MIQ but mate can I just say it was so nice to see you back in you're almost your normal environment like you know like an echidna <laughs> Thank you, mate. Yeah, yeah. What about the echidna? We're going to be talking about that for a long, long time, hey? It's gone all around the world, and, and at the time, we sort of all did the crazy look at each other, like, could this race, you know, in all of its history, throw up something um, so different as this? Just amazing. It was good to have you back, buddy. I mean, you were uber busy with TCR on the lights, but can we just start off with a very serious question? What the hell were you doing in the race for mascots dressed as a Penrith Panther? So this is a bit of a well-kept secret. Uh, an old buddy of ours that Murph and I know, who's the uh, the producer there, David Tunnicliffe, and I talked about it in the uh, in the days beforehand. And they um, they had a couple of uh, vacancies left, and uh, and I said that'd be a bit of a giggle. Let's not tell anyone. Let's just reveal it. But Chad had no idea. Uh, he was commentating it in the lane when I took the um, the kid off, and I got I got so busy in the lead up, I didn't fully get the outfit on. So I was meant to have the Penrith Panthers rugby shorts on and the top on and the claws on my hands. I, I ran out of time to do that when I bowled out into the lane. So it was very funny, very good fun. Yeah, but you're fit, right? As you and Murph been working out, you were fit, so you were, you, you were up for it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you, I now have a whole new respect for the people that do that job because, man, I was baking in there. And in the minutes before it started, I went into Brad Jones's garage. He's got one of those uh, those big portable air conditioning units, and I was jamming as much cold air into it as, as I could get. But I was sweating like a madman. It's crazy. <laughs> Hey, just just uh, tell us about the week. I mean, it was a monstrous week because obviously uh, the the ARG group with TCR and the Trans Ams and um, all the all the S five thousands, and uh, obviously uh, the Supercars group with all their categories as well, Super Two, Super Three, Career Cup, all came together. I mean, it was a it was quite a feat in itself, wasn't it, to combine two rival kind of factions um, and bring them all together. I mean, just just tell us how huge it was with all those categories and all that stuff going on for, and you know, for six days. And, bro, not to mention about the fact that they both have rival major sponsors. So, I mean, you know, to think that everyone could kind of 
found the source, bring all this together in a, in a big festival was a monumental undertaking. We probably won't see, I mean, unless we have another COVID-interrupted year again next year, you probably won't see anything like that again um, just because it is so huge. And the people behind the scenes that you know well, mate, they're all exhausted. They've been on the road at yep. Sydney Motorsport Park for weeks. Many of them have been out of Queensland and they're now uh, just south of the New South Wales border at Kingscliff where they've got to wait for a few more weeks or days. Um, so, I mean, it was a huge undertaking. Uh, congrats to everyone who, who sort of pulled it off. It had a great vibe about it because of that um, that variety. And from my point of view, mate, just being on the grid with proper fans again after what was a weird scenario last year, it wasn't full. The place wasn't full. And there's, you know, lots of reasons for that with people still probably being on the cautious side. But it was a great step back and, and what a way to do it. Let's let's talk about you just a little bit because that's why you're here, and we'll talk about the Bathurst race itself. But uh, people don't know how much work goes into what you have to do, right? And uh, some things come naturally after twenty odd years of walking around the lane. You know the questions to ask, but I'm intrigued that your ability to to commentate on different races, different classes, and how much prep goes into that. Uh, a lot, but I, I went, um, Stephen, with a very clear mandate. So I got a phone call late in the game um, from the head of television there, Nathan Prendergast, who Murph knows very well. Um, you know, Murph, I think, although the focus would have been his, his wild card, would certainly have been doing some good television for them uh, in and around that. Mm -hmm. Marcus Ambrose, who was trapped in Tasmania, would have done the same. So they were a little bit short, um, and an opportunity came out of the blue. And I just wanted to go into that. I just wanted to enjoy it. I didn't. I, I knew I was going to stay in my lane, if you'll pardon the pun, because yeah. Larko does such a good job. Chad's the new guy there as well. And, and I just wanted to stick to what I knew and, and um, the human slash rapport slash whatever. Uh, but, I mean, there's still lots of stuff. I mean, you end up in meetings talking to people about, um, you know, all kinds of different aspects that come to the, the fore for that and, and all the other things that I've worked on during the year from TCR and Trans Am and so on which I have loved mate so uh, it was an exhausting undertaking but there just wasn't one moment where I went oh that was no good or I didn't enjoy that or, or that was um, you know disappointing there was just nothing it was just everything was we were just we were all so delighted to be there with the crowd pulling this thing off and I mean the, the numbers are uh, in a raging sense, tremendous as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, 230 people, as you know, MacGyver, to bring that thing to life. Um, and some very um, clever, clever people, way better than me behind the scenes, that make it look absolutely world-class. Yeah, it was interesting you didn't ask the answer the question, though, mate. I was actually asking about the prep you put in. <laughs> <laughs> well... I mean, it starts weeks out with the you know the TCR and, and Trans Am stuff because you you're involved in meetings on the production side. You're doing stories around it. Um, there's uh, talks with drivers that you're doing in the lead up as well. I mean, you, you you boys are doing it every week with the radio show. You end up living it, and because you end up living it, and it's a joy to do that. And we're very lucky to do that. Um, that helps immensely as well when it comes to talking about those stories. And then in between sessions, you're bolting to people to get information and so on to try and, and, and bring the very latest you can to the table. Bro, tell us um, just what it was like there at the at the conclusion of the great race and, and being amongst all the, the madness, craziness and, you know, celebration of it, you know. You there? Yeah, go, you. yeah go, go for it, Rusty. Just uh, the, the first part of the question, what was it like at the end of the race? Yeah, I, I mean, in, in short, um, unbelievable for all sorts of reasons. You've known the Walkinshaw camp 
for a long time. I was there, um, if you know, for kind of the last 10 laps of the race, you know, looking at <clears throat> looking at Ryan and, and seeing the nervousness on, you know, on Lee Holdsworth's face. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's a guy, and I think you've got him on the show, but, I mean, there's a guy who's just so richly, richly deserving of um, that result. And, you know, to be around that, um, uh, yeah, just special, mate, really really special they had it you know from the beginning when they rolled that car out in the early part of the week you knew it was going to be good they had that issue with the the tire and what we think is debris at, at one point but i mean their pace was just um remarkable and for all sorts of reasons that it came together and you know what i like separately i love the fact that the racing group at red bull and and shane van gisbergen I mean, they could have gone last race for Roland Dane, last race for Jody Vinkup. Be nice to get a, a podium and maybe sort of half play it safe in that regard. And they went to hell with it. Let's race here. Let's go for it. And you've got to admire that racer aspect in them. I think that's great. Yeah, were you surprised that he pushed it so hard that he delaminated a tyre? Uh, I just, as I say, I, I like that quality in him and. and yeah. um, you know, during the weekend, there'd been all sorts of, of uh, various uh, trophies presented in the garage, from Shane getting, you know, uh, driver's driver and fans choice to um, Jamie picking up the uh, the Barry Sheen medal and and uh, then getting inducted into the Hall of Fame on the grid with the Prime Minister. I mean, it was just mighty. I, I thought it was the perfect time for them to go. What the hell? Let's have a crack. It would have been great to send uh, you know all of them off with uh, with a podium that way, but you know what? They had to go. They, they were never going to treat that as anything other than uh, all or nothing. And Shane Van Gisbergen exactly. in the championship. Exactly. And, and uh, yeah. a podium at Bathurst means absolutely nothing. It means nothing to Roland Dane. It means nothing to Jamie Wincup. Um, there was absolutely nothing but first. And that is why he pushed so hard to... Because he knew if he didn't push then to try and beat or force... As into a mistake, he was never going to win it, and so he didn't care. Agreed. And uh, that Agreed. is Shane, and that's the way it should be. Yep. That is exactly the yep. way it should be. So, Rusty, yep. when, you, when you go back to Bathurst, I mean, it must evoke many, many memories of being there before. Did, was is it like is it like having your comfortable pair of slippers on? Uh, it, it genuinely, I mean, I, I used to go there with my parents when I was nine in Mum's Buttercup Yellow Toyota Corona, and we got <laughs> photos of us being on the grid, the Russ family and so on, mate. So um, the hairs on the back of your neck honestly stand up. I mean, it's uh, it's a merch driven at lots of great circuits all around the world from Le Mans and, and more. Um, I mean, it is, it is absolutely in the same league as that. And it's just everything about it, Stephen, you know, you've been there. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it goes to another level. So, yeah, I mean, for me... Going back once again, um, been some great races there over the years. Our mate with his, you know, his lap of the golf is one of them. Um, some very, very memorable races there over the years that, you know, I've been fortunate to be around when they've unfolded. Why do you think? Why do you think Bathurst in the last hour and a half throws up so many yellow flags? Is, is it? Do you think because they push cars so hard and and driver fatigue comes into play? Oh, I think it's it's, it's um, all sorts of factors, mate. I mean, but the pace for the first two thirds of the yeah. race, that first one hundred laps, was just one seventy k average. Yeah, so I mean, you, you've got to think that for all of the reasons you've just detailed, that at some point something's going to give, right? And and um, and then you know the, that old saying goes about safety cars breeding safety cars and so on. I mean, it just mm. came alive in the last uh, third of the race for you know a variety of reasons and. Um, 
you know, an echidna was just one part of that. <laughs> who, who was your driver of the race, Rusty? Uh, I love what Lee Holdsworth did. I mean, the fact that from the moment that car uh, rolled out of the truck and he jumped in it, he was he was nigh on par with what Chaz was doing behind the wheel. He made a very significant contribution on Sunday. And the fact that they didn't just go, oh, let's just tick the box, get the minimum co-driver laps done and then hand over to Chaz. They knew they had a really rock-solid option to play with there. And it's just nice to see one of the good guys finally win one. So for, for those reasons, for me, it was him. Well, I agree with you. They called him the man of the match on the coverage. I think he was the man of the match. But you know what? It was just nice to see you back in your element, buddy. It was so good, and you you absolutely killed it. So thanks for being a part of our Bathurst 2021, mate. Thanks, guys. And uh, it's always nice to catch up. Look forward to a little lemonade when I get back, Murph. Cheers. Yeah, he's on the phone. He's not even listening. Don't worry about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Rusty. Take it easy, bud. See you, mate. Cheers. Yeah, Greg. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, mate. Greg Russ, pitlane reporter, uh, was there for so many years and deservedly uh, was called back in uh, to help fill the gap because he did a really, really excellent job. It is 7:44. Murph and I will break down a bit more of Bathurst before eight o'clock. After eight o'clock, if you want to talk to Brody Kostecki, he's coming on the show. Yeah, that's right. Race control with Repco right here on SENZ. This is a race control with Stephen McIver, Greg Murphy. Our very last show for 2021. If you want to ring us and talk to us about your memories of 2021, what's uh, got your wheels spinning, then give us a call on 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Well, Murph, new ownership, which was confirmed last week of supercars, and the first domino has fallen. No surprise. Sean Seymour, the CEO, has announced his resignation. He'll stay on the board for the 2022, but he'll, he'll quit being the CEO midway through next year. Does this come as any surprise? Uh, well, not really from sort of um, some conversations that I've, I've sort of happened to be a part of. Um, but, um, yeah, it's disappointing. But then again, um, I think he has achieved a lot mm-hmm. and uh, has some new focus as well. I mean, CEOs don't hang around forever, do they? In, no. in many positions in that sort of that level. So, you know, I think he'll be pretty happy with what he's actually achieved and, and I think he'll be very happy. I mean, the whole Gen 3 thing has been really tough and been very difficult, but man, the reaction to those cars on the weekend oh, was enormous and, and I think it's going oh. to be massively successful. So, Are you so just... I think um, he's got a lot to be proud yeah. of and you know, he's a, uh, he's a great guy and, and he's got a, obviously a future in what everyone wants to do but he's also got a young family too which has uh, clearly suffered um, as part of this role um, in the last um, 12 months or so as well so you can understand that he feels with new ownership and stuff it's time to to uh, relinquish the reins and and uh, head off are you disappointed after seeing the, the that fat and it was fat Camaro and the Mustang looking more like a Mustang are you disappointed we're not seeing it next year just purely from an emotional yeah, level yeah Oh, definitely, because it's a long way, to, long time to wait, right? Um, you know, and, and halfway through the season doesn't work. It doesn't work for anybody. I'm glad that that's um, been thrown out. And we just need to wait. And it gives them time to, to fine-tune and 
get everything just where it needs to be and get right and gives the teams time to start to prepare and prepare because it takes a long time. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we'll, we'll, the, the championship will be fine. Uh, they'll deal with it because I think next year the season itself is going to be an absolute rip snorter as far as the racing competition goes. Yeah. And I think based on what we saw at Bathurst, um, you know, there's so much to look forward to in that space. Um, and then we get to look forward to 2023. I mean, there's going to be a lot of stuff around Gen 3 next year um, at, at, at events around the place. So, you know, people will be able to touch it and feel it and, and get excited by it um, all around the country next year. And then, you know, we launch into it in 2023. And next year, was good. it's going to go fast, mate. This year was chaos. I mean, it went fast and it was COVID. I mean, imagine what it'll be like yeah, next year yeah, if it's a semi-normal. I know, but, you know, when I saw that, I've got to be honest with you, I've said to you before, yeah. I think I said on Sky Speed, I'm a Ford guy, but, man, that Camaro looks... Well, they both look good. They, they look fat, but that noise, yeah. that noise, have we not yeah. got it? You know, I don't know, I, I, I understand climate change, I understand people want to go EVs, but there is nothing, and it's not an age thing. Kids should grow up listening to V8s and watching V8s because there's nothing, <laughs> nothing like that, man. And they, I, I got a, I got excited again about supercars because I thought the first half was a bit meh, but then the, when, yeah, when, sure. when Bathurst delivered what it did and then these two cars pop up, I went, man, I yeah. cannot wait. But, but, you know, and that is what is so important about successful categories and successful motorsport. Look what Formula One did to itself when it, when it went away from, yeah. you know, the, the just Howling the crazy V10s. sounds of those. And V8s and stuff mm. as well. You know, that was the last one was a V8. And they went away from it and it hurt them. It hurt them really bad. And they've worked very hard to try and get some of that back. But it's it's all part of the puzzle. You know, you take one of those things away. You take that sense away from being able... You can see, right? You can visual. You can see it. But if you can't hear it, mm-hmm. it it's such a such a, a, a line break where where all of a sudden something that looks so amazing becomes a bit blah. And, and that is, that's the challenge that, um, you know, Formula E's got and anything else that is, is going down that path. You know, we're going to have to mix because we are going to mix. There's going to be, it's going to be changing and changing and changing forever. But we can own supercars and we can own what that is for a very long time. And um, I think we will. And I think that, you know, the, what we're doing with Gen 3 just solidifies it for a, uh, for a long time. One of the big stories I want to see sorted before Christmas, and it may, may take a little bit longer, Matthew Payne, does he drive for Grove Racing at supercars level? If they get because they they're they're prepared and they're ready to look for dispensation on the super license, but what are your yeah, thoughts? Um, it's an interesting one. Uh, you know, he's done some amazing things this year. Uh, just you know, and this is no disrespect to him whatsoever. You know, there was just a, you know a few little things over the last few weeks mm-hmm. which which might have just made them think twice about thr- thrusting him into that world of, of trying to uh, to adapt to a uh, cutthroat supercars paddock. So, um, listen, if they do throw him in there, you know, he will adapt. It might take a little bit of time. Then again, he might just shine. Who knows? It's it's a it's a it's a tricky one. And I'm not I'm just not convinced. Grove, even though David Couch is going there and he's on gardening leave until the middle, I think is it yeah, was it next mid- year? He's on six he months gardening leave. Yeah. 
Yeah, so before he turns up and starts waving his wand around the place, and <laughs> Grant McPherson was that with WAU, but how much effect has he already had? We don't, I don't know, um, because Adam DeBoro, who runs the 25 car with Chaz Moster, is a genius in, in the paddock. Um, so how much influence does Grant have? Well, KGR or Grove Racing, they need some influence in a hurry because they are just not getting the job done yeah. in any way, shape or form. They so, are nowhere. You know, is Andre's move a way to Brad Jones Racing? Is that timely? Is that a good thing? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But is putting Matthew Payne, a rookie, in full-time next year and considering the, the situation they're in, is that a good idea too? Don't know. Oh, I don't know. But probably uh, not. Yeah, well, probably, probably not, not. But you know, you look at Brock Feeney, not a rookie, Super Two racer. But you know, sometimes not you just got you got you got to know. You know, I understand you completely. This is race control with Repco. Stick around. And around four and a half minutes time, we're going to talk to one of the good old boys, and he's a youngster too. His first full season of supercars. Podium to Bathurst. Brody Kostecki. Oh yeah, looking forward to this. Coming your way shortly here on SENZ. Clock here on SNZ. You are listening to Race Control with Murph and McIver on a Thursday evening, the last show for 2021. One of the classic songs of the 80s, big stadium band, Dire Straits, Money for Nothing. And, and when you got a classic, you got to talk to a new classic. That's right, a new classic. And Brody Kostecki from Erebus Racing uh, joins us right now. G'day, Brody. How are you, buddy? Yeah, really good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. I uh, really appreciate it. Mate, you are more than welcome because you have entertained us all season long. But I'm going to d- just quickly ask you one question that could get me in trouble. Why the nickname Bush? Uh, well, to be honest with you, um, I've probably had four or five beers at this point. So, um, <laughs> but it's definitely not for the reasons that everyone seems to think it is. So um, I don't have a gigantic bush or anything like that. But, um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's due to a, to a um, pretty, pretty entertaining story at Norwell. So, yeah, that's, that's sort of how it uh, comes out. But, but, maybe, but maybe it shouldn't be told this evening, let's just say. Hey, uh, Broads, um, what a year, man. What a year it has been. Uh Put into you and Will Brown uh, into Erebus there, thrown in the deep end, and and uh, let's just be honest. I mean, how many people really, really gave you guys a shot or gave you a chance at having any success, proper success in in twenty twenty one? Really, who did? Yeah, I think it was you know some you know I've I've been sort of very fortunate in my career um, as of late to have some people that have you know really believed in me. Um, you know, such as, you know, some of the people from Norwell and, um, you know, Barry as well, um, you know, got to give them credit. Um, you know, no team in pit lane would have put two two young rookies um, in, you know, two, you know, pretty competitive cars. So, and, um, yeah, there was a lot of doubters at the start of the season, but, you know, really towards the end, now we're, you know, sort of considered, you know, one of the front-running teams. So, um, yeah, we're, we're uh, you know, very lucky in, 
unfortunately going into next season. Yeah, I remember you talking, I think it was either you or Will Brown in an interview, post-race interview uh, at Sydney Motorsport Park, talking about winning as a team and losing as a team. Now, for race car drivers, it's normally just about each other, right? I'm going to get I'm going to get you and, and, that, and too bad. But I thought that was a really refreshing attitude. Is that uh, a team ethic? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, this is a team sport. So, um, yeah, obviously, you know, us drivers have to you know, perform during a race weekend and whatnot. But, um, you know, what a lot of people don't realise is there's so many, you know, gears in the clock that, you know, make a, you know, a team a competitive team. And um, I've sort of got to, you know, learn, learn a lot about that growing up and, you know, working on my own car. So, um, yeah, I, I, I sort of understand how much work goes in behind the scenes and, um, you know, us, you know, drivers running up the front isn't, you know, just sort of all about the drivers, you know, it's about the team as well. Hey, let's just take a back, back step a little bit. Um, tell us a little about how you ended up uh, in the U.S., racing in the uh, Pro Series East category, NASCAR Pro Series East category for a couple of seasons. How did that all come about? What was the, the drive there and um, who led you led you down that path? Yeah, the, it sort of all come, you know, around sort of 2010. Um, I was, you know, racing around Australia um, in go-karts and um, um, was sort of looking at going for the next step of racing cars and you know we sort of had a little bit of a look you know what we could do with Australia and um, to be honest you know with the current sort of setup of Australia and you know really you have to be sort of 15 16 years old to drive a car in Australia and that's sort of you know I guess being 86 now or Formula Ford back then and then um, you know we decided to look at you know what what we could do overseas and um you know the first thing that we looked at was you know going to america and you know you can drive a 700 horsepower car you know, at the age of 12 13 years old so really it was sort of a no-brainer for us to be honest and, and um you know they um they, you know I, I, I had a really good opportunity over there to race you know week in week out and you know probably gained three years of experience in one year um you know, just because of the level that i was racing at over there at such a young young age and um and 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 you know just the, the frequency of you know racing week in week out how it's just crazy though because you mean you i mean you, you sent yourself over there i mean i i don't i haven't spoken to you in detail about how, how all that played out and what you were doing but i mean you were young man i mean you headed over there what when you were like 16 or 15 or something years old i mean that's just crazy. It was that's you know, and, and you were racing racing these cars as you say. I mean, that's not normal. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not considered normal um, <laughs> here at home in Australia. But um, yeah, I actually headed over there when I was twelve years old and raced in um, oh a category uh, under the band of USAC, which is um, you know. Back sort of, if you go 10 or 15 years ago, that's where all the you know best IndyCar drivers come from. So um, I, I raced in the open wheeler category there, and um, you, know, you know three or 400 horsepower sort of speed car on dirt and pavement. And then um, uh, when I was old enough to jump into a you know NASCAR style category, you know late models, and then jump into the Canaan E Series at um, uh, sort of 14, 15 years old, and um, competing that was sort of you know really cool and. Um, it was something that a lot of people weren't doing in Australia and I sort of got a chance to, you know, get that leap ahead um, as well in experience. Do you think there was, well, was there any time during the, the sort of the NASCAR style racing where you thought maybe I, we could stay on and actually that could be where I end up? 
Yeah, I was sort of um, going pretty well at the time um, while I was racing in Canaan. Um, I, you know, was able to get a couple of poles and, um, you know, was able to pole Iowa and had a bit of bad luck in the race and probably should have won that one and, um, you know, was able to pole Watkins Glen as well. Um, you know, it was, you know, pretty funny, you know, reflecting back on it at the time, um, you know, Obviously, being Australian, you know, Americans are very up to date, you know, with, um, you know, supercars and they, you know, I, I wouldn't say they follow it down to a T, but they they understand what it is and how sort of crazy we are, you know, jumping curves and going two wheels and whatnot. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I sort of remember being, you know, sort of, you know, 15 years old and going to a street, so, uh, sorry, to a road course over there and, um, you know, getting pole, and they were said, "Oh, you know, it's pretty expected." You know, he's, you know, done. You know, he's got supercar experience and whatnot. And you know, I'd, I'd never seen, I'd never seen a race car before at that point. You know, I'd, I'd only done sort of go karts and raced, you know, a bit of speed cars and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a lot different over there than you know what the mentality is here for sure. So let's uh, come back to this side of the uh, the world, and and um, you know, you spent, a, you came back and. Basically, I mean, I was fortunate enough to be calling Dunlop Super 2 when you turned up on the doorstep and, and sort of started making a name for yourself pretty well straight away. You've, you fell into a, a supercar pretty naturally. Did you see it that way? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know, remember my first test day, um, you know, like it was yesterday when I first jumped in and um, sort of it was around QR and, um, I remember leaving the pits and pretty much almost spun out um, just to the fact, you know, the tyre was so much different than what I was used to, but, um, you know, the power levels were less, the weight was less. So, um, you know, once I got used to it, it was pretty much like a GT car, you know, um, to drive compared to what I was used to. So um, I was sort of very fortunate to, you know, have that sort of experience in those cars that I drove in the Canaan East Series, you know, sort of being six, 700 horsepower and being, you know, really heavy and, um, sort of being, you know, sort of almost pigs to drive around, to be honest. So um, I was really excited when I got to drive a supercar and sort of, you know, sort of, um, you know, seemed to understand it really quickly as well. You you, you portray yourself, and, and, it's, and I think it's a great thing, as someone who's fearless, who will take the car and throw it at a track and every corner on every lap. Is that something you might have learned uh, from that American experience because you understand cars and and engines and so much better than anybody else at this point in your career? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a you know pretty simple person at heart as well and I sort of really only really live you know one day at a time. So, um, you know, I sort of, you know, when I jump into something, I want to find, you know, how far it can go, um, you know, pretty much straight away. So, I sort of learned on the year to sort of tame that back a little bit, maybe put it a little bit under control. But yeah, I always sort of have that, you know, um, sort of competitiveness in, in me, whether it's you know riding a you know a dirt bike and and um, or you know just driving a race car. So I've learned over the past couple of years with broken wrists and whatnot to maybe park some of those hobbies on the side and just, just you know, focus on one thing. Can we can we talk can we talk about your your top ten shootout lap because honestly, uh, you've Let's got the best that. you've got the best poker face in the world. But man, you, you brought your engineer to tears. Talk us through the lap because man, that was epic. Yeah, it was definitely um, you know really cool to see and um, you know George Mangineer who sort of uh, you know you with the team as well. Um, at the start of the year, and you know, we it's you know, really um, no surprise we put in a lot of work throughout the season to you know bring the cars up to you know up, up to the level of you know the front 
running cars and um, you know a lot of work was you know happening behind the scenes and and uh, and, and I sort of knew after the SNP rounds I had a few bogey rounds and a DNF and whatnot but I knew going to Bathurst so we had a pretty good chance of being able to be you know contenders for the race so um, yeah sort of uh, you know went through the, the qualifying stages and didn't quite get my lap together and then you know going to the shootout I sort of just said you know like this is going to be it it's either going to come back on a tilt tray or, it's gonna, or I'm going to drop back I'm not really sure what's going to happen so <laughs> I just sort of um, I, I've got about 10 minutes to prepare everyone and there's only two options of how this is going to go so um, once I got everyone you know um, on the same page as what I was um, sort of got in the car and um, you know, drove and did the lap and sort of gave it, you know, pretty much everything that I had. So um, yeah, it was a it, it was a very good lap from my point of view, and um, sort of you know, I, I felt like I um, you know maximised the lap. So I was pretty stoked when I saw the number at the end, and and um, you know, I, I, I truly believe if you know we went out a little bit later when the shade was out and the track temp was down, we you know we would have been a lot closer to Chaz's time. So wow. yeah. Mate, but but just just try and I mean I don't know if you've thought about it much or you've actually all this is the whole week has sunk in um, for you or not. But but just you know tell us how that felt in the lead up to do that lap and then when you crossed the line and saw the time. I mean, mate, you're in the top. You're in the the Repco Bathurst 1000 shootout. I mean, it's the biggest for me. It always was, and I think for a lot of people, that is the biggest session of the year and you were in there and you did a, a 203 uh, point, was it point eight or point seven? Point seven, yeah. Yeah. So just, I mean, yeah. do you know how mammoth that was? Really? Yeah, well, I think, I think, um, yeah, I was, I was pretty excited when I sort of crossed the line and, um, you know, I, I knew that it was a, you know, good time because, you know, George had, you know, my engineer had, you know, kept me up to date with, you know, what Shane had done and, and um, sort of what the guys previous had done. So um, I was, you know, obviously really excited when I, you know, did the lap. Probably not as excited as what you were when you did your uh, big lap, but I was, you know, really excited when I did the lap. And then um, uh, pretty much when I was on the scales um, afterwards, I got, and I got told that Cam sort of, been, you know, sort of had a bit of a dummy spit and then um, sort of come back to terms and thought, you know what, you know, P4 overall was actually pretty good. And then, you know, to, to have what happened afterwards and to, um, you know, start, start where we did and, um, you know, for where we finished as well was just awesome. Oh, you know, isn't that funny? You're here, you are. You're in the shootout, first shootout. You do a lap time, which is just phenomenal, fastest lap time you'd done all week uh, in practice, qualifying the whole lot. You, you know, and 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 then you're disappointed so quickly. How things change so quick as a race car driver. Here you are doing what you're doing, and 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 you still want to be the best. And I totally get that. I respect it. Now let's just let's just quickly now cover off. Some of those things you did in the race. Now, <laughs> uh, you know, did you think it was all over when you had to go around the outside of SVG at, you know, at the grate and <laughs> you're heading towards the wall at the exit? Did you think it was done? Um, no, I sort of I sort of knew that I was half okay. And then I sort of thought halfway when I was next to my car, this is pretty stupid. Um, if I'm with you, but, um, I, I, I was I was obviously informed that he had a drama and, and I, I knew the spot where I was catching up to him. I like Chains Chains one of the smartest you know races out yeah. there, and um, you know I, I I have to give him credit. That would have been the exact same thing I would have done if I knew that that you know if my teammate was you know fourth as well. So um, you know, I was pretty aware of what was going on, and I knew that you know I couldn't just sit behind him and park it 
um, you know, up his backside because yeah. um, I had Jamie sort of hot on my heels. So I, I knew that, you know, if I wanted to finish on the podium, that I had to do something, you know, to sort of get around him. And um, I was very lucky that, um, it, you know, you know, the car didn't take any damage or whatnot. But, um, yeah, I sort of have to give uh, Shane a bit of credit there. That's, uh, you know, something that I would, you know, use in a high playbook for sure. <laughs> You know, you know what worries me more is that I'm glad. You, I hope you didn't tell us or mention to Barry Ryan on your shootout lap. I'll either do this right or end up in a tilt tilt truck because I don't think he would have been too impressed with that. Oh, he'd be all right with no, it. Actually, that's actually someone I can. Mm. Yeah, that, that's actually someone that I completely avoided before the shootout. Um, believe it or not, so he was um, he, he was actually talking us, um, you know, halfway through that. So I sort of avoided him as much as possible. And sort of told, 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 told the boys only, but um, yeah, it sort of worked out alright. Yeah, Mate, so it's it's, it's been an, a classic end of the season because you you, you pod him at Bathurst, and that that'll sit in your memories for many years to come. But then you get uh, during the week that uh, Boost Mobile are going to. They are going to sponsor the whole both cars next year, so it's all starting. To, it feels like for Erebus, it's now starting to fall into place. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think it's you know what uh, you know to have two rookies at the team at the start of the year, and you know both both me and myself. Um, you know, when we all sat down at the start of the year and you know, worked out you know what we can do as a team, and um, it was a lot to do with you know we're, you know we're not going to accept coming you know tenth or twelfth in our first year like that just wasn't acceptable to us whatsoever. Um, and it was just that drive that, you know, we sort of, um, you know, brought to the team and, and, and also to their, their drive as well to wanting to be, you know, more competitive. And, um, you know, you know, believe it or not, you know, when, when we did finish on the podium at first, it was, you know, slightly disappointing because, you know, we, mm. we want to win now and you know, we want to try to transfer the team from being the underdogs to, you know, being one of the, you know, the big two or three teams. So, um, yeah, sort of have to give them a big credit, you know, going to Sydney, that was, um, you know, one of Erebus's buggy tracks, you know, sort of in the last couple of years and to have both cars in the top five and qualifying on multiple occasions and to go on to Bathurst and have, you know, Will on um, provisional pole and, um, you know, for us to be starting fourth, um, you know, from the shootout, you know, minus the disqualification for the doors and, you know, to finish on the podium. Um, yeah, we're sort of, you know, very excited going into next year. Well, mate, all we can say is congratulations on entertaining us this season because, because I think Bloody there is oath. a whole lot more to come and uh, I think it, it all bodes well for an exciting season. Are you, just quickly, are you a little miffed you're not going to do Gen 3 next year or are you just happy to go another year in these cars and then go full out in 23 with the Gen 3 cars? <laughs> Uh, it's actually a funny one because I think probably, um, you know, I don't really have any opinion on Gen 3 or, you know, what car we currently have. Um, I'm, I'm sort of just excited to go racing and I'll, I'll uh, rave everything to, you know, to the death type thing. But <laughs> I think Barry is very excited about going racing next year with the current cars we have. And he's definitely had a change of tune from the start of the year. So that's... Um, that's uh, very cool to see. Oh, man, I, I love you. I love your attitude, man. It's just, it's just race the wheels of it. Brady Kostecki, uh, happy Christmas. Congratulations on a wonderful season, and we will look forward to talking to you in season 2022, mate. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me on, guys, and uh, Merry Christmas to all you as well. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Not bad bad for five or six beers in as well. I thought that was a pretty good interview. That was very good. I think he's better. I think he's better. Don't you love his attitude, mate? Do you not love that sort of guy? Well, well, I can honestly tell you, um, from when he turned up in uh, Supercars Super 2 
back in 17 and we saw him and started to watch what he was doing and then 18 he came out and he won a couple of races and did what he was doing it, it was I was a fan then because he he drove he drove then like he's driving now he's just bought it through he hasn't changed he's just got better and got faster and and you know deserves to be there but he was he was exciting to watch um yeah those years ago so I knew he was going to be a talent I knew he was going to be successful because he just brought something different and exciting to the table I, I just wish I'd, I'd, I'd asked him the question because he said he was really excited about that lap you would never have known about that shootout lap because he's got a he's got a blooming good poker face but there he is Brody Kostecki here on Race Control and Repco stick around we'll have a bit more of a talk about a couple of things that uh, one team that didn't do so well in Bathurst that was DJR and then we'll go rallying with Mr Rally himself Peter Johnson here on Race Control with Repco Eight twenty-four. This is uh, Repco Race Control with Stephen McIver and four-time Bathurst champion Greg Murphy, and we like to live life in the fast lane. And Murphy, you know, we talk about Bathurst, and the one team that really were, as you would say, meh. Dick Johnson Racing, tenth and a DNF. Now you go back a year, a couple of years ago, and you know when Scotty McLaughlin was running the and running the show, uh, they were a different team altogether. What do you think it is this year? And let's let's put that in context. Bathurst, because we know Deep Pasquale had a pretty good uh, Sydney Motorsport Park uh, run. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? We probably I expected they would be, uh, yeah, definitely better than what they were. You don't let's not forget how quick he was and how yeah. strong he won the pole position award for the season because of how many poles he was on the front row of the grid. Remember for for Bathurst, I mean that was a stellar, absolutely stellar lap that he did in the shootout, uh, Anton Di Pasquale. Um, so you know they would have expected a lot more, but they did seem to just struggle to string laps together. And I read, a, I think I read a um, uh, an interview or an, an article that was uh, that um, actually Anton had written for Speed Cafe, and just yeah, couldn't string those laps together. The car was obviously a little bit flighty or just a little bit inconsistent and difficult to maybe get the best out of or be consistent with. And and at the end of it all, um, it just was enough. To, and it's only a fraction. We're only talking a tiny, tiny little bit to be um, just out, you know, just off the pace enough to to not be in the game. And then obviously they had that uh, driveline failure in Anton's car with only um, a bunch of laps remaining. So yeah, one to forget for them and they will be digging very deep in the off season to try and understand and work that out and if they can they will especially being that they have Ludo Lacroix there to um, uh, evaluate and yeah. investigate and he does it uh, as good as anybody if not better than just about everybody so they've got the tools there to, to probably evaluate and get the job sorted for I next thought, year. I thought one of the great drives was James Courtney after Thomas Randall put them a, yeah. a, a couple of well, yeah. well, quite a way but down after he put in the sand at the end mm-hmm. of turn one and then he got them back into seventh and actually helped them in the team well, championship as well. They were, they were a lap down but that's yeah. the, isn't that the cool thing about this rule now where you can you can yes. let, let them go past when you're under, under, under a yellow car to get them to get yeah. the cars back on the lead lap. I thought that was mega. Well, we talked about that had been talked about for so long, so many years, and, and uh, 
finally we're seeing it in action. And to be honest, I'd actually missed that completely that that was going to happen. So um, I was really happy to see that going on. And, and it clears, you know, cars out of the way, gets them back on the race, gets them back in there with a chance. And, and I, I'm a big advocate for it. I think it's going to, you know, work for you some days, work against you others. But, you know, it was great to see. And James was on a mission and he had nothing to lose. And it was a, it was a, that was a stellar drive to put that, uh, that car back where he did. Got a couple of texts. Uh, would rather you call us on 0800 11, but just a couple of questions for you, Murph. Uh, your thoughts on the Enforcer and Brock Feeney, and uh, also just a, a statement. Uh, not a DJR fan, but Will Davison would have got a podium if not for double stacking and go the Erebus boys. So the Enforcer and the kid, yeah, Brock maybe. Feeney. Wow, I, I really yeah. enjoyed that drive because at one stage they were down. Absolutely. Yeah, listen, they did really well. Brock, for me, um, absolutely solidified uh, the... This, you know, the reason that he got that drive for next mm-hmm. year. I think his drive was 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 spectacular. He was as quick as Jamie, if not quicker at times during the race. Um, handled himself really well. Forget the accident, the, the shunt yeah, at yeah. the end. That's just, that's part and parcel. That's just not something that should be brought up or compared. It happens. It's happened to the best drivers in the country. Um, one of those things that happens. I thought Russell drove bloody brilliant too. I thought he, he didn't try to do anything that um, uh, was outside you know, really his capability considering, you know, uh, how long he's been out of the seat. And, you know, I text him actually afterwards and said, great job. And he, and he was, he was, you know, he's really stoked with it and, and, and enjoyed doing it, but it was tough, really, really tough. But I thought he, I thought he just, um, you know, did the job he needed to do. Yeah. That car was on the lead lap. It was going to finish inside the top 10. It was. That is, yeah, that... that is awesome for a wild card. That yeah. is awesome for a wild card. I think the best part of that drive was when he got out of the car and was talking. And he talked about mm. driving a modern supercar and understanding as hard as it was that he could push it harder than he's ever pushed a yeah. car and it didn't break and it was so yeah. quick yeah. and so stable and I thought and I thought that's a really revealing sort of statement for anyone that doesn't understand supercars about how robust these cars can be but but they've changed so that's exactly the feedback that um you know the guys like Garth and Shane and and Brody and the guys were giving me when we were talking about it when we did the launch and everything that's what they were saying about them and and I was struggling to sort of comprehend what they were saying about how much downforce these cars have got now and how stable they are and how much confidence they give you to drive them. They're not like, as they said, the last time you drove a car at Bathurst, they they chalk and cheese. They're nothing yeah. like that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and that's exactly what Russell was saying there is, is actually getting your head around the fact that they've turned into almost a GT car at Bathurst. I mean, the times they're doing threes and then low low fives in the race, you know, consistently. That's just staggering speed for for the for the you know for the, the yeah. what a supercar is. Really staggering. So um, that was that was really interesting that he said that. And uh, but it does did fall into line with what um, you know the other full time drivers are saying about the cars right now. And that's going to change in 2023 because they are not going to be like that anymore with uh, with Gen three, which I'm looking forward to because we don't want them to be Gen. Uh, we don't want them to be GD3 cars. No, you're looking forward to uh, having a crack at the, the mountain next year? I know it's a long way off. Well, we'll see. We'll just... 
Well, yeah, but you know, and we'll see. We'll just um, work through the beginnings of 2022 and <laughs> okay. and just see yeah. how it plays out. And and if, oh. no, well, no, nothing's nothing's set in stone. Oh, I, I want actually, you to. I, I want you. I want, see, you, I want you to go and have a crack, mate. Yeah, but I want to see Richie. I want to see Richie in there. And and I think he's going to be at Newcastle. That's the way it's looking wild in card? the wild card. Well, oh, I fantastic! Want to see him back in a car. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Kelly, Kelly Grove is that an option or not? No. Definitely no. not. No, I, I would. I don't think. I think he's smart enough not to want to go there as well right now. Wow. Okay. Don't hold it's back. Not a place. Well, well. Yeah, but he. Yeah, but hold on. I mean, he he had a season of rubbish yes. at GRM, yes, he and he did. had a season of rubbish at Tickford. Do you want to go and jump back into the Hornets' nest in a team that's actually not operating that well? No. no fair you don't. fair play. Well spoken. Eight thirty on race control with Repco with McIver and Murph coming next. Mister Rally New Zealand himself, Peter Johnson. and cruising on a Thursday, the last race control with Repco in season 2021. And we've got to end on some good news and some disappointing news. We're not done yet. But the, the, the fact that we have World Rally back in New Zealand in 2022 is probably down to the drive of one individual. He will, he will be humble and say it's a lot of people, and that's fine. But someone's got to lead. And that's Peter Johnson. Uh, he was chairman of Rally uh, New Zealand 2020. So I'm assuming, PJ, he's still the chairman of uh, Rally New Zealand 2021-2022, right? Correct. What do you mean? <laughs> Mate, with a build-up like that, you could have just thrown me a bone. Mate, uh, look, congrat- yeah. congratulations. But I will, can we just park WRC there for a moment? How disappointing to have to cancel what was has only been a one event so far, the Repco Battle of Jacks Ridge, because last year both Merth and I were involved. Mate, it was, it was outstanding. Yeah, look, it's been absolutely gutting to, to make the decision. Obviously... Um, the event was to be held originally in November, uh, and we then postponed to early February. Um, but look, we we had a, we had to make a commercial decision. Uh, there's a lot of risk around. Still, uh, we then saw Waitangi celebrations pulled. Then we saw Rhythm of Vines pulled, and you know, unless Auckland was in traffic light orange, there's just no way we could operate that event. And Look, we, no one knows. It's a crystal ball gazing at the moment of where we're going to be uh, in the middle of January or early February. So we had to make a hard decision. Um, in saying that, um, it's not all bad, as, as you've said. Uh, Jack's Ridge will be uh, used as the final uh, super special stage, um, the power stage of WRC uh, in September next year. So the fans can come back out and, and ha- ha- see the show again. But um, And also the staff that have been working on Jack's Ridge are now transferred over to the World Rally Team uh, in New Zealand. And they are all working very hard in making this event happen. Yeah, I mean, and it's a... It's a big thing to put together. I mean, this is uh, you're not you're not in one venue, you're not standing still in one space. You know, putting together a, a WRC event um, is just mammoth. How many people are going to have to be full time? You know, um, giving everything to this to to make sure all the ducks are in a row uh, come September. Yeah, look, we'll have a full a full time staff of probably um, around twenty, but we will have a volunteer base of some 1,800 people. And we're just so blessed that, one, we've got a wonderful sporting team 
that can run a world-class event like this. Um, there's a lot of work and, and a lot of criteria required by the FIA and the World Rally Championship to come to New Zealand. Um, and, and the other thing that we're, we're now having to learn is we've got a new generation of rally cars arriving mm. at our doorstep, and they will be electric hybrid. So we need, we need to be able to handle these vehicles uh, it'll be, you know, it'll be a wonderful thing to uh, to look at, and, and and these new generation of cars. But also, we've got to be able, you know, our people got to be able to work around them in case of accidents or anything like that. Your 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 passion for rallying it goes. Does it go right back to the day your your dad drove in the inaugural rally of New Zealand? I mean, do you is that where the passion started and has been? Yeah, look, yes, I, look, I, you know, from a young guy, I can I can remember sort of between twelve years old, twelve and fifteen. In those days, we used to do of uh, it in Matamata, and we in the Hamilton Car Club used to have like night trials. Huh. So we, you know, I was with my dad, and we were driving around the Waikato doing night trials. Uh, and then obviously, Dad did the inaugural uh, rally of New Zealand, the Silver Fern. Um, but look, I think what really uh, boosted me was. Back in my younger years, was in 1985, 86, and those Group B rally cars, those monsters, came to New Zealand. <laughs> and you know, as a young fellow, sort of, you know, sitting on the side of the road watching those cars come through, that, that's what really gave me the charge. And obviously, I was lucky enough and went on to buy a few of those cars, but it really spurred me along in the rallying scene. Obviously, I've got a you know a passion for motorsport, and I've helped a few young drivers through into the international arena, but um, rally is a thing that, you know, it really uh, it motivates me and, and uh, you know, also, it, um, is an, you know, through my business and stuff, it's enabled me to take the sport forward a little bit. I love how you say I've, I've helped a couple of young drivers through. One just happens to be Scott Dixon and one uh, Brendan Hartley. So, mate, <laughs> you're incredibly humble. When you look at young drivers like that and they they just keep coming through what do you think it is about the environment that New Zealand has that can continually produce the next generation of potential superstars yeah look i just think um new zealand you know we've been we've grown up the real way the strong way we're number eight the number eight wire way um all our all our young drivers you know are mechanically minded um they started from carving They've done a good apprenticeship. Um, yeah, look, it, it's it's history, isn't it? Look, you know, we had some wonderful drivers back in the early years that people aspired to, the Holmes and the McLarens, uh, etc. And and it's um it's just it's evolved from there. Um, and I think probably Scott also has has motivated a lot of other young drivers after uh, after him to come through and and make it into the international arena. Hey, uh, let's let's talk WRC in in the future. And as you said, though, the brand new car um, heading away from what many have said was the you know the best WRC car of all time uh, in its capability and just its speed and how it sounded and how it looked and everything. Moving to this this hybrid uh, side of things, H- how do you think that's going to uh, change WRC, evolve WRC, and take it you know to the to the next um, you know into the future? Well, look, I, you know, I, I think it's wonderful to see the cars, you know, becoming environmentally friendly. But they're still going to be the same rally car that they're going to look better. They're still going to sound great. Um, 
you know, and look, I, I'm really excited about it. Um, all, all the teams have indicated they're bringing four, at least four cars each to New Zealand. Um, and we've also got um, a lot of other privateer teams coming as well, and there's WRC too. So we expect um, one, of, one is the highlight for us is these new generation of cars, but we're going to have a lot of international um, competitors coming to New Zealand in September. Oh, man, it's, just, it's just so exciting. So based, uh, rally base in Auckland? Yeah, so look, we we haven't confirmed uh, the, the rally base. It will be in Auckland somewhere, in central Auckland. Uh, we've got a, a couple of um, prospects at the moment, and we'll release those soon. But um, the rally will start uh, on the Thursday night. Uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a parade down Queen Street on the afternoon. And then we hope to have a super special stage in downtown Auckland on Thursday night. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And then on Friday, the rally will head south. Uh, and we uh, hope to love doing some famous old stages down the Waikato. Uh, and Oof. there, and then, then on Saturday, the rally will head up north. Uh, it will do those stages uh, that we did in the Auckland rally last year, Greek. Um, where we went mm. up above Albany there in Riverhead Forest and around there. Um, and then Sunday will be around the Cleveland area and Jack's Ridge will be the last stage and the power stage to the ah, it, PJ, it sounds, it sounds amazing. And the work that you have done and continue to do for rallying in this country and the, the next gen is, is outstanding. Thanks so much for sharing our final show for 2021 and uh, happy Christmas, buddy. Thank you. It's a pleasure. 8.44, this is Race Control with Repco with McIver and Murph. We'll uh, take a wee break and then we might talk a little bit of F1 before we call time on this season. Come on now! Bit of the Rolling Stones to wrap up the season for 2021. Why not? At 8.48, this is Race Control with Repco with McIver and Murph. And we cannot, we cannot leave the season... Finish without talking about the F1 Drivers' Championship. Finishes in Abu Dhabi this weekend. Ridiculously, both Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are on 369.5 points apiece. Murph, I say one takes the other out on the first corner. Verstappen wins on number of wins. Well, there's a chance that it won't... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Uh, Well, who do you want to win? Who do you want to win? Verstappen. Yeah, and, and so do I. But I feel... I feel that unfortunately uh, Lewis is going to end up doing the job. Oh, and I don't, I don't, momentum. And and I, do, I don't think Lewis is the one that's going to end up being the one if that happens in that takeout scenario. I think it'll be the other way around, and that would not be good for Max. But mate, um, what happened in Jeddah was just absolutely bonkers, 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 bonkers. And I read the FIA uh, stewards' verdict on the penalty that they gave Verstappen, which was a 10-second penalty post-race, which still left him in second position, which is why they are still even on points. And I I still can't get past. The bit that I cannot get past Mm -hmm. is Max slowed down to let him through. Yes. Right? To let him through. Now, they can say there was confusion and, and lack of communication, which, is, which again, that's not an excuse in Formula One. You have so many people, so many <laughs> Telling you know, how to experts drive. and computers. Exactly. So, and, and so they told Max to slow down, which he did. Now, you are the car behind. Now, they're going, oh, it was the DRS zone. Oh, we didn't want to be the one to get to the DRS zone. You know, I'm like, Bollocks. Yeah. Okay. So it's got, it. it's got it. out of control. 
It's got out of control. The rules, the regulations, the rubbish. When a car slows down, it doesn't matter what the reason is. And Lewis can say it was, oh, I was confused. I didn't know what was going on. Okay. Oh, so if there was smoke billowing out of the back of it, would he have slowed down and waited for him then? What a, what a God, twat. Yeah, what I was waiting twat. for that. You're, I'm sorry. You have been waiting I mean, to say bad things about Lewis yeah. all year and you get to do it on the last no, show. No, I'm, I just, that, that, yeah. that just grinds me. And then so then Max decided, which was stupid, to then hit the brake pedal and then Lewis crashed into the back oh, of him. He brake tested I mean, me. He brake tested me. No, Lewis, have you well, been opening your eyes? Yeah, but yeah, Mur- Murphy could have got around them a lot but earlier, right? He, yeah, you and I both He should have passed him. Completely. He should have passed him. And, then, and so uh, there's no, but there won't be a rule to penalise someone for doing that, you see, because they wouldn't have thought anyone would do something so daft at all in, in motorsport. So, oh, um, it's all, it's all think, lined up. Yeah. It's all lined up, but they've, they, they've got the end to their show because it's, it's been a better show this year, but we'll say bye-bye to Kimi Raikkonen and Valtteri Bottas will go to Alpha and George Russell will mm. come to Mercedes. That's going to be that is going to be one yep. to watch. George Russell at Mercedes yep. and, and how the two... New cars, uh, too. Englishmen, yeah, and, and brand new cars, which is, you know, budget caps. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, that's going to be yep. so much to look forward to. So that's this weekend. Uh, we're Alex almost Rambo. done. So Liam yeah. Lawson. Liam Lawson is his final F2 round, and there'll be some excitement after that because he gets to drive oh. the Alpha Tauri in the uh, the rookie test. Yeah, he does, right? too. But more importantly, yeah. he has another season in F2, and Roden yes. Cars today or yesterday right. said... They will continue yep. to back him, which is David which Dicker. is mag- We've well had done. David Dicker on race control. Congratulations, David, for supporting. We know yep. a talent that will be, and I got this feeling, Liam will be somewhere along the way in F1. It won't be next year, we know, but I think if there's an Alpha Tory seat waiting for him, don't you? Uh, it's going to be difficult because of the way it all works, but I, yeah, absolutely. Why not? He should be. Yeah, should exactly. Be. It'll be un- unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, yeah, plenty to look forward to in 2022 there, Stephen. So, yeah, um, yes. lo- lo- lots, mate, but it's been fun. This has been fun, uh, Race Control, our, our first edition. We're only halfway through our sort of what you might call the contract, so to speak. But uh, when you look back at this this season and, and the, the sports that we have covered, not just here on Race Control but on Sky Speed, is there one that has stood out? Have you still got me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can see you. I, you gave, I, I you gave little, me. That, you little, almost gave me stink eye. <laughs> I had a little glitchy thingy sound in my mouth. Listen, there's, there's been there's been quite a few standouts. Um, I think. I mean, MotoGP for me again this year was yeah. just uh, just staggering, absolutely staggering. Uh, Fabio Quattararo winning that championship, well deserved. It was amazing. World Superbikes was yeah. a standout. Yeah, well, that was the that was and, the and, one we've been waiting on, right? Yeah, and it delivered because it gave us a competition. Right, we had top rack against Jonathan Ray, Mister Six Time, and for the first time in six years, we saw and Scott Redding, Ray Scott put Redding. A, yeah, but Ray put under pressure and make mistakes. Yeah, so that was that was awesome. I mean, that was some amazing racing. Uh, there was only really three in that championship, and it was good. But and but MotoGP delivered. Valentino Rossi retiring. Oh wow, that is a that's a that's a statement. That's a that's a massive uh, year to remember for that reason only. Yeah, you know, oh, you know, and and, it's and NASCAR. NASCAR. Oh, yeah. NASCAR was huge. Yeah, well, NASCAR was Kyle huge. Larson for, for, from being the yeah. from being on the outer. To suddenly a year yeah. la- on the outer to suddenly you know, going and winning the championship and and in dominant fashion and I think that was the other thing too he was dominant but he was so he was so respectful all the way through and finally the one that we both love and we are so amped about for next year IndyCar 
cannot wait yeah. to see what yeah. Scott McLaughlin has learned in 2021 and de- delivers in 2022. It's not easy because we know that's the toughest championship. And do we and do we get um, do we get an announcement next year from? Um nearly the greatest of all time in IndyCar. Do we get an announcement from him next year about his future? Do we? What's Scott Dixon? Mm. Oh, oh, hello. Hello. Are you just, you've just thrown something out there, haven't you? You know something. No, I don't know anything. I'm are, just saying are you I'm sure? throwing it out there because are I, you I've teasing? Got, I just got a feeling. You know, I'm not. I've just got a feeling. I mean, is he is he at that stage now that, um, you know, know, after the season that he had this year, can he go, yep. you know, he's doing it again, but will he go again after that? I mean, Whoa. it's very early to suggest something like that, yeah. but I, I just sort of, let's, you know. Let's not, let's not push him out the door so soon. We're <laughs> oh, listen, well, I'm not going to do that. He's, he's I want to see, see the youngest Scott. Time. I want to see the youngest Scott win something and show them what all the talk has been about. He's had his, he year, he's had his year of learning. We thought he'd win a race. He, he podiumed in an early oval, and there's a lot, a lot to look forward to. Murph, have a safe and enjoyable Christmas. You, Mon, and the boys, and Neve, well, have, a, have a safe Christmas. Say, Enjoy wakeboarding too. Can I say, I want New Zealand to stay safe out there, especially on our roads, because it could be a bit of chaos coming out of Auckland. So <laughs> everyone stay safe, All you right. know, be respectful and look after each other. We are done. Happy Christmas, everybody, from the team at SNZ and Race Control, brought to you by Repco. Until next time, see ya!